0: Welcome back to Fantastic Voyage, a podcast about David Bowie. I'm Jesse. And I'm John. You can
1: find us on Twitter at Bowie Podcast, and you can also leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts if that's where you cast your pods.
0: Yes, please do. Today we are continuing our discussion and our voting and our comparing of Bowie's 1973 album Pinups. We flipped it over to side B. Uh, but before we get into the tracks, uh, we're gonna do what we normally do to start off these episodes, and that's talk about the album cover. Pretty pretty cool cover. Uh, it's Bowie and and Twig the Wonder Kid. Yeah, she from... made a
1: cameo on uh, Drive in Saturday, and she's back. This was what they were shooting this for Vogue, right? This this picture was being shot for right. Vogue magazine initially, and uh, yeah, I guess. I can't remember the reason. Was it because they didn't want a guy on the cover, so they didn't uh, they didn't use it? And so oh, Bullies I didn't. I don't instead? know. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I thought maybe it was used and they reused it or something. I it, don't. I don't know too much about it.
1: Well, the, the one thing I do know about the shoot that is uh, kind of funny is that I guess Twiggy had just come back from s- some sort of a tropical vacation or something, and she's super tanned. Yeah, and they hated the way that it. Her body looked next to David's because David, would, like the photographer, was like blown away. He, went, he looked like a sheet. <laughs> yeah. like he'd never seen a body that white before. I think they, what was it, like on the Aladdin same cover, I think I've seen his body described as like it was translucent. Yeah. You he's see so white, he's translucent. See his, uh, his ribs. And it's the same thing here. So I guess they did, uh, they, they gave him a tanned face and they gave her, uh, they put some makeup on and gave her like a whiter face. So there's kind of like a cool contrast going on. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. To Bowie is the the whitest man on earth.
0: It looks like she's grabbing his junk, kind of the way he's looking and the way her arms going down. He's like, oh, might have been. I don't know. Who knows? It's just uh, they. It's just a very cool picture. Bowie's just got something about
1: him, and maybe it's the, the the eyes or or something. You know, but
0: yeah, he's just
1: got one of those faces where you can tell that there. This isn't just a person.
0: This it's is a magnetic.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's Um, hard to
0: yeah, it's hard to describe. It's he's well, it's he's one of a kind. And maybe this is me, you know,
1: define science and going all supernatural here. But there, I think even the photographer said that when he was taking the pictures, just the way that he looked and the way he carried himself. It's just, uh, yeah, he's he really is a one of a kind and uh, good cover. Back cover is okay. It's got some cool pictures here from the, the Ziggy Tour.
0: I like the photo of him with the sax. He looks cool. Not many people hold a sax in a cool way like that. Like he yeah. looks like he like a he's in a gang in the Warriors or something. Like the Saxons are coming to, you know, from Coney Island.
1: I and don't know. <laughs> blue blue cover with red text. I think he said that he wanted to do red on blue to capture the psychedelic aura of yeah. the sixties, which you know. I don't know. He doesn't really do too many psychedelic ones on, on this one. I kind of wish that he would have done more psychedelic stuff because those are usually my favorite moments on the record. But it, it's a it's a cool cover. Um, yeah, I, I like this cover a lot, and there's a cool inner sleeve too. And it's got just the lyrics to Where of All the Good Times." God, maybe we'll
0: save that till uh, when we get to that song. But sure, yeah,
1: yeah. I think this is a, this is a good cover.
0: So let's drop the needle and get. Get into side B. I'm just going to go out and say it. The best song on the album, Sorrow. Uh, cover of the McCoys well, or the Merseys. It's uh, Friday on my mind, though. Oh, shit.
1: Yeah. It's funny because I thought that this <laughs> that it started with Sorrow.
0: Too. <laughs> Let's keep that in. Yeah, it's kind of funny because, yeah, that's the first we talked about that. I, I, was I still thought it started. Yeah. yeah,
1: and I was about to say... <laughs> I mean, I, I'm glad we're finally disagreeing on something. But what the fuck? This is not the best
0: song on the album. <laughs> okay, Friday on My Mind. Uh, yeah, that's that's not by the McCoys. That's by the Easy Beats. Uh, this is enough, this is actually the closest to the other '67 song. I thought there might have been another one, but no. This is late uh, November of 1966. Um, okay, so interesting. You, am I getting a vibe that you're not crazy about this one? Yes. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I really, really like this one.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It, it's kind of one of the more redundant ones uh, for me. the bit of a precursor to like the soul crooning that would show up on, you know, Diamond Dogs and obviously more prominently on Young Americans. But, I don't know, it's, it's blended kind of awfully, at least to me, with, with his Anthony Newley voice again as kind of uh, making a comeback. And it just, it, it's kind of awkward. It all sounds weird to me. You know, we always rave about Bowie being this great first take vocalist, right? Like Ken Scott always goes, "95 percent of Bowie's vocals were on the first take." Yeah, I think that method kind of comes back to to bite him in the ass on a track like this, and a few others off this record. And that, that's probably because he didn't write these songs. You know, I think it, it's got to be a lot easier to bank stuff out in the first take when it literally came from your brain. Yeah, like, you know, you know how you want these words you to wrote sound. It a certain way. It's kind of obvious, at least for me, for the first time in his career, that he doesn't really know how to perform these songs, or at least not to the degree that he was able to on subsequent records.
0: So I I love, I like the vocal of this one. I like the way, uh, you know, the bugs me part. I think that's hilarious. He's kind of putting on, yeah, he's putting on that accent that we heard on the Durham album. And... I I, th- I like the way that they they add their own backing vocals to it. Some very uh, promiscuous yeah backing they're vocals. Swearing
1: on it. like yeah. I was looking for it because I've always, I've I've read that it there's an f bomb in here yeah. and I've you know but I I can't quite hear it. Oh, it's the I, I know where it is. I just can't hear it. I don't know. Okay, well we'll we'll play
0: it here. <laughs> I think this song is kind of cheesy. Um, I mean, the the vocals are <laughs> funny. They they kind of get stuck in my head throughout the work week occasionally on Tuesday, like, you know, coming Tuesday, I feel better. Although I disagree with that. I've always kind of thought that Tuesday is the worst day of the work week. You know, Monday, everybody's in the same boat. Everybody's kind of dragging their ass a little bit. And that's like, you know, it, oh Mondays, hey, that sucks, but... You know, you're there. Everyone's in it together. You kind of talk about what you do on the weekend. You have, you know, everyone's kind of collectively somber that the weekend's over. But, like, Tuesday is the reason why you hate Monday. I don't feel any better on Tuesday. It's just Mm -hmm. the, it's, it's like the weekend's not, it's not coming up anytime soon. And, you know, you can't complain about it being Monday anymore. It's just shitty old Tuesday. I don't know. Plus, that's the day when Bowie starts loving you. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, and exactly. they love you till Tuesday. So, yeah. I, yeah I and even I, if
0: he stretches it till Wednesday, you don't have much time left. So. Yeah. Tuesday's an awful day. I agree. Yeah. I, I think... Uh, do you like the original version?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't, like, really love it, but I like it, and I like it more. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think Ronson and Dunbar kind of add a lot to this, that the original one's kind of lacking. It, it almost, like, the guitar licks on the original one are kind of, like, dinky sounding to me. And I think this one benefits from being updated to glam rock, uh, in my opinion. Um, the original one, I, I think, is a good song, too. But, yeah, it's just kind of... It's not as full-sounding or something. And it's not the kind of song that I think I'm craving that raw sound for, because it's a fluffier song. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, though I like this one. I I prefer the Bowie version.
1: I prefer the I mean it still does sound fluffy to me. It doesn't sound too like the original doesn't sound raw to me. It kind of has a fluffier vibe to it. But uh yeah, I mean I'll, I'll go with the original on this one.
0: Okay, our first disagreement on on this. The listeners have spoken. Let me just pull it up. Uh they picked Bowie in a in a narrower one. Uh 60 to 40.
1: I figure this one would be closer because this is one of the this is one of the more classic songs yeah. that he covers. I guess yeah. like it's probably the second most popular behind "Here Comes the Night" or like I can't explain and or the Who songs popular yeah. too. I don't know. It, I don't it's know. in the top half for sure in terms of just like it cemented itself as a classic. It's been in movies. It's been in all kinds of you know best of the '60s compilations and right. uh, Nuggets yeah. compilations and that. Nug-
0: yeah. Yeah so now that we're we've got this one done we can now get to Sorrow the right time and I agree yeah it's yeah. the best song it's on the, the best song yet. on the album uh, and the let's just get right to it the, the listeners not one vote for the original version uh, Bowie overwhelmingly wins this one 100% of our votes went to it and there are two versions of this uh, we made a playlist to kind of listen along to and i included the the mccoy's version because that's kind of the well it was done first uh, in 65 but in 66 there's a version by a, a band called the mercies and that one's actually kind of more similar to bowie's version there's the the canon vocals at the end like the you know you start one yeah like, they, i mean he yeah. literally
1: says mersey's on the cover so oh really okay know, i yeah. pick, I picked mersey's because that's the
0: i probably should have put the yeah. mersey's on
1: well i think and the the biggest maybe giveaway as to why it's the mersey's is because uh the mccoys are american i think okay. they're from like indiana or something the mersey's okay, yeah. played it in like the cavern they're from liverpool so this is like the british even though the last song was by an australian band yeah this is sort of like the british covers the mercy
0: river yeah, this is uh, the lone single from the album, and was backed by a slightly old uh, cover, another cover, uh, which makes sense. Uh, Amsterdam. Kind of, I, I'm glad that that re- that surfaced because that is a good song. Yeah, this might be the only time to really talk about Amsterdam. It but... probably
1: wouldn't have fit on this
0: record. Fun, yeah. No, it wouldn't have. So it kind of yeah. the B side makes it just perfect. Makes no sense. It's kind of yeah. perfect. Yeah. That's what you do with a song like that.
1: Oh, it doesn't really fit here. It doesn't really fit. Oh, you just slap it on the B side. Yeah, and it can kind of exist in its own little B side world.
0: This one survived to make some live performances. Uh, Can't explain was performed live a couple of times too, but this one uh, was performed live and, and also even on the Sirius Moonlight tour he pulled Sorrow, which is pretty cool. It's on the 1980 floor show, yeah.
1: right? I think there's yeah. a couple others from this. Well, can can
0: can't explain was yeah. on that. Uh, this is the
1: one that sticks out
0: because it's just it's, it's the best. It's a great version. Of I it, think
1: too. is he singing over the backing track yes, live, he is. and yeah. it's yeah, it's a different yeah. performance vocally, yeah. but it's the same. Yeah.
0: yeah, there's a lot of that. I, I think that's a cool way of doing that instead of just you know going up there and miming the the entire song. Having a live vocal is is great. Especially when it's Bowie, yeah, it's another version yeah. of him singing. It's cool. Yeah, not much competition on this one.
1: Well, I th- I think the reason this one is my favorite is just is because every part of this song is special. You know, there there isn't a single part I look forward to. You know, usually in a song, there's that special part you're excited for and you anticipate it, right? But it's every part of Sorrow for me. Like, there isn't a wasted stanza. You know, the, the opening kind of string section is great. Bowie is phenomenal. During the verses, he puts on a very gorgeous vocal. The sax solo is, is great and very gentle. And that's also Bowie playing it, which is kind yeah. of neat. It's not uh, the, the usual saxophone player on this record, which is uh, Ken Fordham. Uh what are the other parts of this song? The, the verse after the solo, with the sort of double vocals that are kind of yeah. going all over each other sporadically. I look forward to that too. You know, that's perfect. And then there's there's Garson's piano outro, which was a wasn't,
0: long outro, but that makes it warranted. It's and cool. that was like yeah. its
1: own new melody. Like that wasn't part of the original. It's just it's all so good. You know, that there's not a single part of this song that I can get, distinguish as like the highlight. There's not a, a wasted second on it, and I. I think that's why I like this one so much. It's just every it is just, it's just it's perfect. It's just a great version of a already great song. I I'm gonna give my vote obviously to, to Bowie on this one. Uh, but the Merseys version is great as well. I, I would encourage people to, to listen to that. Uh, the Beatles were a fan of it. And yeah. With your long blonde hair and your eyes of blue wound up on uh. It's, it's all, all too, too much. much. Yeah. What are the more underrated George. songs? Yeah. Of their catalog, at least in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great uh, George song late 68 or early 69
1: well no it came out
0: in yellow Yellow submarine submarine in 69 but it
1: was it was recorded in 67 like oh it was 67 shortly after sergeant peppers yeah Yeah. it was actually like one of those weird instances where they actually recorded that i believe without george martin like they were kind of screwing around the studio doing it themselves type thing and it, it was recorded at a would have been, like, maybe Trident or something. One of the okay, studios that they cool. didn't normally record at. Right. But, yeah, it's... uh I feel like it kind of missed its mark. Because I think if that song came out in 67... Like I, I think if It's All Too Much came after, like, Good Morning, Good Morning, and Before Sgt. Pepper reprise... Oh, yeah, well, it would
0: have been heralded as it, part of we, the greatest snow album of all time. We
1: would yeah. be talking about it like it's yeah. one of the... You know, if that was maybe on there instead of Within You Without You, it would be, like, this great big classic song. But I, I feel like it kind of just missed its mark being slapped onto... Uh, yeah a, a, a soundtrack with like four new it's just kind of an overlooked yeah album and uh, one that kind of just started to get pushed to the side yeah if that was on sergeant peppers i think it's uh it's a classic it still is a classic to
0: me but yeah so moving along to the next song it's don't bring me down originally by the pretty things they show up for the second time uh released in 1964 so I, I,
1: this is another one where I like both versions. Um, you know, that guitar part. Town to town. I I... So that is more prominent in this version, which I love. You know, I find myself craving that. And during the original, it's sometimes a little bit more buried in the mix. And I, and I kind of, I leave a little, feeling a little unfulfilled okay. when, it, when it's not there. When I hear it, you know, it's not as loud, but once again, uh, we mentioned this on Rosalind, I do prefer the more garage rock, kind of freak beat sounding nature of the original, and I think Phil May's voice just suits this type of song a little bit better. Bowie's voice is maybe a bit too reserved here, and I think, think we mentioned it for Rosalind, he he excels more when the vocals are maybe meant to be a bit artsier and and not as uh, garage rocky. So. I'm going to score one here uh, once again to the Pretty Things, but it, it's close. I mean, I do like this this version too.
0: Yeah, they. this is a toss-up for me, uh, but it's almost one of those things where, you know, in baseball, the tie goes to the runner. I, I think it in terms of if you're covering a, a song, if you don't improve upon it, I'm going to give the tie to the original. Yeah. And I, I think I like, yeah, Phil May's vocal a bit better. And that, that guitar part you mentioned is pretty cool, but it just doesn't do enough to make it, you know, over the top. I guess it is still
1: cool. Like what a, a cool part of this album is it was a lot of people's introduction to these songs, right? Like yeah. for me, like, you know, I knew, well, let's just look at the track list in here. I would have known before I heard pinups, I would have known here comes the night. I would have known. I wish you would, because we had Yardbirds cassettes and records, at our house, growing up, yeah. I would have known I can't explain. Probably would have known Friday on my mind. Maybe, maybe not.
0: No, this was my introduction to that. But that's that's just me. But and I you
1: know I would have known probably shapes of things in any way, anyhow, anywhere. Where have all the good times gone? Probably would, would have known that way. too. But yeah. you know, pretty things. I I wouldn't have known, uh, or I, I would have figured out who they were, one way or another. But at the time, you know, this was my introduction to this
0: song. I've yet to do a total deep dive into them, but. It's on my it's on my short list. Well, it's funny, too, because I remember when I
1: first got into pinups, I mean, I'd always known the album growing up. It was one of the first albums I owned, actually, but I remember revisiting it, re, revisiting it maybe like 10 years ago or something and going, oh, don't bring me down. I forget that one. He does the Animal Song, right? And I was expecting it to be the Eric Bird and the Animal Song.
0: Which is a don't better bring, song. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I. I I like this song too, but I don't. The animal song is is, great. is, is really yeah. good, and there's also that yellow song too, which is would be my least favorite of the of the three. The three yeah. don't bring me down. It's not that it's terrible, but it's kind of lame. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, I don't think Bowie would have made, really done that song justice either, because from a vocal standpoint, once again, it's not really one. Or I know maybe he could have done that one well. I
0: don't know. I would have loved to have heard it. I would have yeah. loved to hear Bowie do a lot of things. So I'm I'm glad we have this collection of of covers. It's fun. Uh the listeners uh Bowie 79 to 21 is their pick. So moving along to Shapes of Things the Yardbirds cover from February of 66. This is one where I like what Bowie does to the vocal. Uh he brings back the Durham voice again, kind of. It's it's very show tuny, kind of over the top. Shipes. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He's 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 got a his lungs are full of air when he's singing this one. I think it it suits this song, uh, kind of more than Keith Relf. Maybe Is that. Would you agree on that or? I don't know. Um, like it's no, no okay. <laughs> I, but I do like uh,
1: the backwards vocal that he adds. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh yeah, really, really cool. It, it comes like sweeping in, yeah. which is really, really cool. Um, both guitar uh, solos on it are really, really cool. Uh, what Jeff, like Jeff Beck's guitar on on it is, it's I think it's been on lists for like greatest guitar solos. And that's
1: Ronson's hero, right? Yeah, it's Jeff Beck. So yeah, he's this playing, is maybe throwing he's Ronson playing around, bone.
0: yeah, with 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 feedback, and I think Ronson replicates it. He you know it's he does a fine job of recreating it. Um, I, I like the the strings on Bowie's version a lot. It, it gives it kind of it, it matches his vote his voice that he's using. It kind of creates a different mood. It's a very different sounding song. I, I can't really think of anything similar to it Bowie's version that is some really cool saxophone like, and, and I don't know if it's if it's all authentic saxophone or if there's some synthesizer in there too, but there's some really wild shit going on in the choruses you ever listen to what's going on underneath yeah and you
1: know i i think that's the, the the best quality of this cover version is that the psychedelic nature of the song is captured pretty well here yeah and, and it's something i feel like i've said this a few times but it's something i wish this album maybe had a bit more of because those trippier moments are some of my favorites
0: yeah and uh, it almost like i have a one of my guitar pedals it's a chorus pedal has like this really fucky setting on it where it just like creates chaos You've heard, you know, Mm -hmm. and they almost like use that underneath on a synthesizer or something that kind of, it's like, oh, you can actually, they actually found a space for something that just sounds really, really trippy like that. And yeah, I, like you said, like, I kind of wish there was a bit more like this instead of something like, uh, the, the one previous to this, don't bring me down. It was like, oh, another one of these kind of sounding ones. When this one comes on, I'm going, oh, okay, this is something a bit different, a bit, more psychedelic. And I think I, it, this one's close, but I think I, I prefer the Bowie version. I think he improves upon the original, uh, enough for me to vote for Bowie. Ken Scott
1: is somebody who maybe excelled at some of those trippier moments. Cause he was, uh, he was all like backwards reverb on the course and, you know, he would, he would boost and cut reverb to, to change perspective and stuff like that. Like, when he was talking about this song I was reading on Bowie Bible, he said it was just, it was my usual bag of tricks.
0: Okay, yeah. Uh,
1: And that seems to be the essence of this entire album. You know, it's just the usual bag of tricks. You know, David wanted to do this song, so we added reverb here, we boosted reverb there, and we banged another one out. You know, there's not a whole lot to it. You know, nothing's really over-the-top or ambitious. You know, they're not ever coloring outside of the lines too much. And, And the few moments where they do, like, you know, see Emily play... Are, are my favorite moments probably because i feel like that's how we came to appreciate bowie on the yeah. level we do for his ability to create catchy and unorthodox music you know this album for the most part probably just stops and ends at catchy save for a few spots i guess yeah this song has a, a few that are maybe a, a little more uh adventurous but yeah you know it's just kind of like when i hear this song i'm just like oh yeah they, they banged another one out they did a pretty cool job of it they added a little cool of technique here but yeah. I, i'm i think i'm gonna go with the yardbirds version for this one as well so uh we'll have to uh this is what our second disagree our second yeah and the listeners voted i'm gonna guess they voted bowie on this one
0: yeah the, the listeners voted bowie as well uh this one was 67 to 33 okay, closer yeah. so on to the second who song to be covered and that is anyway anyhow anywhere uh, nineteen sixty five. Same era as uh, Can't Explain. Same.
1: Was it? I think it was the next
0: single. The next single, right? Yeah. This one wasn't on My Generation either, was no. it? No. Okay. Uh, yeah, great, great song. Uh, both versions. Is this one Roger Daltrey doing, uh, his best Phil May, uh, impersonation a little bit? Uh yeah, oh, maybe. I, don't
1: know, I was gonna say because Roger has a rough edge to him. Yeah,
0: too. maybe. Yeah, maybe not quite as rough as as Phil, Wait, but yeah, it's, the, the pretty it's, they're things, very similar.
1: The Pretty Things were dubbed the ugly cousins of the Rolling Stones, so they're, <laughs> they're gonna be the, they're the ugliest sounding, so even an ugly, I don't wanna say ugly voice in, the, in a bad
0: way, but you know, a, a rough voice, Yeah,
1: e- even some of the rougher voices maybe won't sound as rough as Phil May's, Yeah,
0: but. Yeah, very it, similar, this one sounds like it could have been a Pretty Things song, but yeah, it's, it's a Who song, and it's a very good Who song, I, I like the backing vocals, of the original version uh, quite a bit. It's one of the... I love those really, really high backing vocals. Well, of that's, the,
1: I think, like, the beauty of those early Who records, right? Yeah. It's just raunchy guitar, these drums are kicking your ass, and Roger's screaming, and then you got these beautiful voices in yeah.
0: the back. It's <laughs> perfect. And it's almost whimsical sounding.
1: And that's what's missing from I Can't Explain for me, too, which I probably forgot to mention. You know, the uh, that, that's people. a huge, yeah. huge omission yeah. for me. Um, in the cover version, and so. and
0: you know what? It's funny. That's probably why, despite really liking the Bowie version of "I Can't Explain," that that's what's miss. That's a huge part that's missing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and why I picked the Who version too. The deal
1: breaker maybe for you there, yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, the last song had some experimenting with feedback. This one, Townsend's doing it too. He's using his pickup selector to kind of cut in and out so it makes it like when you have feedback and you're playing with your pickup selector it sounds like a expo well i don't know it sounds like a kind of like a machine gun or something mm-hmm. really really cool sounding i think that's what he said somebody said i've, I've
1: seen the word machine gun used <laughs> to describe the song a few times yeah yeah it's kind of neat too because uh th- this one has the drums kind of take center stage on this one you know, Dunsbar plays very well on this, and I think Ronson is kind of overshadowed and outmixed by him, which is a little different. There's only a few moments on this record where you can say that.
0: I, they I they like, play really well together, don't
1: they? They were good, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, uh, Dunbar seems to be like very Tom-centric. Like I feel like he maybe hits a Toms more than Woody did. Like There's more of a pummel to his playing style, or, or maybe that's just because the production on the, the, the Woody albums are, are more thin i'd have to play their stuff back to back but the the drums yeah, are okay. definitely what stick out to me in the best way on this song but it is one of the uh, once again kind of one of the more redundant uh, versions re- redundant covers for me uh and Bowie's voice kind of annoys me on this track uh it's a problem on this entire record i think where like he's overly garish or something you know, like he's kind okay, of like yeah. i don't know if it' like obnoxious is the right word but you know, the performances don't sound natural always. They, they kind of sound forced or over the top. Like on here comes a night, it was kind of so obnoxious to the point where it was kind of funny, but in other spots, (laughs) it's just kind of like, Oh, he's doing that again. It's just very evident,
0: very evident that he didn't write the songs perhaps. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh, he was obviously a, a great fan of, of, you know, Townsend's and, and the who's, you know, like he did, uh, Obviously, did I Can't Explain on this album as well. And he did uh, Pictures of Lily on,
0: on Toy, right? For yeah. The toy Sessions. Great, great song. Uh, when well, we saw The Who, or did we see them together? I, I think we were at the same concert. I don't right? know if we, we sat
1: together, but we... Because you went with your wife, and I think I went with our dad.
0: Yeah, we got tickets separately or something. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, they did Pictures of Lily, and that was the highlight of the show. Yeah, that, that was... That was like, yeah Amazing.
1: It's a great song. From their psychedelic period, once again, which is yeah. our favorite uh, Yeah. Period. A uh, Pete's also uh, he, he makes a couple appearances on Bowie uh, l- later on in because Bowie's you're career. young
0: and yeah.
1: Uh, what's the one on Heathen that he's on Slowburn, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Two great songs. Yeah. Uh, great songs and great guitar songs too. The intro to Because You're Young is like one of the best intros ever. Kind of like <laughs> it, it. It sets you up for like this is going to be the best song of all time, and then it kind of like that that's the peak of the song but anyway yeah yeah pete's great on bowie's stuff i have a uh, a great quote here i wanted to
1: read from bowie he said uh just a kind of a, a funny story he had about about pete he says i took my first single to pete townsend it was at a who concert in 1969 must have been around there and i took it and i got backstage and i gave it to him I said, play that and let me know what you think of it one day. And it was many years later. He said, by the way, son, I remember you bringing me that single. I meant to let you know. I did like it. Line bastard. He's he said. Because obviously, <laughs> he's going, yeah. well, He's, you know, he's, yeah, he was supposed to tell him head. he liked it at the time. And yeah. you know, he's telling him when they're doing Because You're Young.
0: <laughs> yeah. You
1: know, 11 years later. Oh, yeah, by the way, I did like that song. No.
0: <laughs> that must have been the same concert that Pete apparently left his like 11-year-old little brother who liked to come to the shows. He left them in Bowie's care. He's like, "Oh, can you watch my brother while I go up on stage and play?" That must have been I think that was when they were doing Tommy 69, that shit so. Yeah, out. yeah. yeah I, but I think he left his little brother with Bowie who he, I don't know if they knew him well by then or not, but well enough to let him look after his his brother. Anyway, uh yep, I vote for the Who uh you vote for the who right i vote for the who i already said yeah Um, the listeners vote for bowie on this one go ahead
1: those uh those kind of like those freak beat garage rock songs i'm probably gonna go with the original like nine times out of the ten
0: yeah you know
1: yeah uh i I love that era uh, of british rock so much like I i almost wish that Maybe instead of doing a second Who one, maybe... I mean, I get this is like a personal selection for Bowie, so, you know, duplicates from certain artists are maybe more appropriate for him, but I wouldn't mind it if he, he did, like, a song by somebody else, you know? like yeah. Maybe, like, The Creation Making Time or something, or, uh... I, I love this song by The Syndicates called Craw Daddy Simone. There's a great uh, Nuggets compilation. It's it's the second one, and it's kind of like the, the freak beat garage rock one, and it's it's British stuff from, like, 64 to 69... Uh, and Bowie actually winds up on that compilation. Uh, Davy Jones in the lower third doing You've Got a Habit of Leaving okay. is on that. That's like my favorite of the Nuggets installment. Or maybe that and there's one that's like L.A. stuff. Kind of like uh, dreamy, psychedelic L.A. Right. stuff. But yeah. that Nuggets, of, like if you're a, pe- a fan of pinups, I can't recommend the second uh, installment of Nuggets enough. There's great stuff on there and there's four discs. You'll never get bored of it. They're
0: the best compilations like ever. Absolutely. Ever. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so we've reached the end which is Where Have All the Good Times Gone which is just the most fitting way to wrap up this album this kind of era of Bowie I mean, this is the end of The Spiders this is the last song uh, that you'll see Mick on until he makes an appearance in the early 90s right before uh, he leaves us and it's the end of Trevor Boulder and kind of the end of glam rock for Bowie Originally done by the Kinks in 1965 off their album, the Kink Controversy. Great song. Beautifully selected too. He could have picked a lot of Kink songs to cover, but this one just captures, I think where he was at and where the state of his career was at at the time.
1: Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head because we mentioned it a, a little bit earlier that, you know, the lyrics to this song are the only ones printed on the inner sleeve, which is, you know, very, very interesting. Uh, you know, Bowie obviously had a great respect for Ray Davies we had a, a quote that we played from our our best of the 60s episode where he said something along the lines that you know that Ray was brilliant at creating like a mass memory of of England that did or possibly didn't exist and that it created like this mystical radiance because you weren't sure if these were memories or memories that you know he'd wish took place and and I do find it interesting that then it's, this is that the song that he decided to hone in on, and this is, this is the one that, you know, this is the one with the lyrics printed. It's, it's the album Swan Song. It's one that, you know, he raves about in, you know, in, in interviews. And it's something he did at the, the height of his, his popularity. You know, he's not singing about, you know, wow, this is great, I'm a star. You know, he's, he's asking where have all the good times gone. It's almost like a plea to escape. Yeah. And I, I feel like in many ways with this record and with what he did after this, he, he sort of did. At least to some degree.
0: Yeah, yeah. Escape. Well, he escaped into a cocaine habit, unfortunately, for his <laughs> health. Uh, we get some great music out of it. But it it's bringing the, the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust to its conclusion. Or, like, it's come full circle now. He's Now he's looking at it in retrospect through a cover version, but a very calculated, you know, selection. Mm-hmm. Where, yeah, he's going... Now that the aftermath of what happens when a star gets big and, you know, sacks his uh, drummer on his wedding day and, you know, there's a lot of tension with the the bassist and obviously the the band is splitting up and yeah, like this is, this is what's happened. Like, these are the feelings. I think he said afterwards, like a couple days after that last hammer show that he thought like, Oh, I feel a lot like better now that the, the, the tour is over. Like, Jeez, like did I really just do that kind of thing but he didn't look back much more than maybe that day and that was it like he was and for the better I'm glad he closed this chapter and moved on because we're we're gonna be on to dare I say bigger and better things than than even Ziggy and, no, yeah and the spiders yeah yeah I uh I that's I mean I gotta be careful what I say because there's some like his career to this point. Would be Hall of Fame worthy, you know. Like if it would have ended right, right here. But I mean, he, he's about to enter uh, another universe in terms of what music in the mainstream can sound like. Mm -hmm. Uh, Back to the song now. now (laughs) (laughs) We're getting, I guess, like in less philosophical
1: terms, this could also just be like a throwback to i mean what this album represents right the oldies the 60s where all yeah. the songs took place and yeah it could it, it might yeah. not have this crazy deep meaning we're kind of trying to pseudo psychoanalyze them here which is you know it's kind of fun doing that so
0: yeah that's our <laughs> yeah, that's, <why, laughs> that's kind of why we do this podcast
1: but you know it probably is a multifaceted thing you know this song it probably has a lot of those it probably has deep ties to him. i mean he. The way he talks so fondly of Ray and, and this song in particular, I feel like, you know, it did hold a special place in his heart. Not just one where he went, oh, I like this song. I think the song meant a lot to him. Yeah. When you, it's the only one that you print the lyrics to on your inner sleeve, they all these words held a lot of merit to to him. You know, yeah. Obviously.
0: Yeah. Despite all these great things we're saying about Bowie and everything right now, uh, I prefer the Kinks version more.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah and so and, but i
1: do prefer bowie's version to. there was a van halen that did this and like the oh DVDs i, or I don't even know if i've heard it I, that, oh it plays yeah. at work all the time oh so and you, yeah <laughs> it's probably an okay version but you know when you hear something every day it's uh yeah kind of drives you nuts
0: speaking of the kinks there was like a some when i used to i used to work in a bookstore and they used to play the song driving a lot which is a great song but yeah, that's it was a one weird one to have. It, I, and it, I think it was the original, ver- like it was the kinks. Like, There's a lot of like covers of songs because of the rights that you can't play it in a public space or whatever without paying royalties or something. But that one was the kinks version. And I went from loving that song to like, oh, God, it just reminds me of working now. Anyway, uh, the listeners agree uh, in the closest one. Fifty two percent say the kinks. And 48% say Bowie, so they're pretty torn on this one.
1: So I think the voters voted for Bowie on a lot of songs, but the originals won on what was aware of all the good times gone. Maybe
0: we should See, go through them all. Should we go through as a roundup? Yeah, let's let's, let's take all a right. look. I'm
1: curious, because th- yeah. there's only a handful that Bowie lost on, and I think they're the ones where it was pretty obvious that he probably should have lost.
0: Yeah. So the first song, Rosalyn, uh, was picked by, or Bowie was picked by the listeners, and we both picked the original. It was Uh, close, but... Yeah, it was was a toss-up for me, too. Uh, Here Comes the Night, uh, the listeners picked Bowie. Uh, I picked Bowie, and you picked Bowie.
1: Certified, better
0: version. Yes.
1: (laughs) Fuck you, Van. COVID (laughs) is real.
0: (laughs) I Wish You Would, listeners picked Bowie. I picked the Yardbirds
1: I picked the Yardbirds you picked the Yardbirds
0: okay Uh,
1: close again but I think uh, Rosalind is closer though
0: yeah See Emily Play was the closest one for me I was it was almost a coin flip because I love what Bowie did with it but uh, this one was uh, 81% Pink Floyd from the listeners I picked Pink Floyd and so did you
1: it was like one of the furthest away for me but it's also my second favorite song on the album
0: (laughs) yeah uh, everything's all right. Listeners picked Bowie. I picked the Mojos. You picked the Mojos. I think yeah. we both just like the, the 60s. The, the more
1: retro vibe. because it just it. it fits. That was that the
0: Tarantino-esque letter. feeling. Yeah, know, that's one. the one that yeah.
1: Vincent Vega's dancing to in Pulp Fiction.
0: Yeah, as blood splatters everywhere.
1: Everywhere. <laughs> <I> and <can't... laughs> he's singing everything's going to be all right.
0: <laughs> I Can't Explain was closer for me than it was for you by quite a bit. Uh, but yeah. we both, we both went with The Who. Uh, and so did the listeners, so unanimous uh, failure by Bowie on that one, (laughs) although I don't think he did a bad job of it. Uh, Friday on my mind, Bowie wins for the listeners, and from me, but this was the first one that we disagreed on, uh, where you picked the original. Uh, Sorrow was... There wasn't even a single listener that that picked the, the McCoys or the Mercys version, so it was just yeah.
1: Certified better version.
0: Yes. Uh, don't bring me down. Uh, the listeners picked Bowie in a bit of a landslide, uh, but I picked the original.
1: I go with the original as well. What's the the, the prettier th- the prettier things the pretty things ones are the closest I think of the ones where Bowie lost me because I think he does like just as good as a job of the of the original, but yeah. the, the essence of the original is just. Naturally captured in the original. Yeah. By by a hair a hair better. Yeah.
0: Shapes of things, uh, I picked Bowie in a very very close one. Uh, the listeners picked Bowie, and you picked the Yardbirds. Yeah. So there's our second uh, disagreement. Uh, anyway, anyhow, anywhere, I picked the original. You picked the original. Listeners pick Bowie.
1: What was the uh, voting on that one?
0: Uh, 62% uh, pig Bowie. Okay. Yeah. I figured it would be a bit closer because the Who's version is, is a classic. Yeah. <laughs> I feel bad calling it a, a certified failure on the, on uh, can't explain, but <laughs> certified. I, I don't mind it, but it's I guess you like It's not a failure, like <laughs> but I mean, yeah. Uh, but yes, certified, uh, not as good uh, on the last one too. Everybody is a, in agreeance that... I shouldn't say everyone's in agreeance because it was 52% only that picked the Kinks. Uh, but we picked the Kinks as well. Well, the, yeah, I'm glad the Kinks won. The uh, The
1: Kinks should be, like, every bit as, you know, popular as, like, you know, the Stones and, you know, the, the Beatles and the Beach Boys and all the rest of them. It's almost like... But the Pretty Things are underrated, too. It's almost like the Pretty Things should be as popular as the Kinks and the Kinks should be, like, as popular as the
0: Who. Yeah, and uh-huh. the Who should be as popular as the Stones... Well, they, they kind of are, I, I guess. Think The Who, the who, the who <laughs> yeah. I think, are more appropriately rated. But, yeah, that uh, sounds about right. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of, uh, if we maybe wanted to get, I guess, into our closing thoughts, I think yeah. that's maybe one of the saving graces of this record is, yeah, maybe it can be a bit redundant, but it probably put a, a lot of people onto these artists, you know? Yeah, um, I think a, really a lot of people, and I'm sure there's a lot of the listeners who are in the same boat where, you know, the bulk of this album, they probably heard all of these songs, or at least the most of them, from Bowie, you know, from this record. And, you know, you can kind of go down rabbit holes from there, and I think that that's an interesting aspect of pinups, is that a lot of the people that love this record seem to say, Well, I had nothing to compare it to. So the originals mean kind of nothing to them. It's not this is yeah. the original to them. You know? right. This is the first time they heard it, it's the original to them.
0: Yeah. This is a put it on record. It's a good party record it's just fun rock and roll it's glam rock not one of my favorite bowie records if you were to you know put them in a ranking or anything like that just because there's you know there's not much to it uh but that was it wasn't intended to be anything bigger than what it really is and i i i do like the album for what it is uh it's a lot of fun it's yeah
1: it's it's a throwaway of sorts you know it obviously doesn't hold a candle to anything else He released in the '70s because it's just it's not a creative endeavor. Not only because it's all covers, but you know even in the arrangements, it's kind of just you know hey let's do this one faster, let's do this one slower, then let's add some reverb to that one. You know this album isn't really attempting to be daring in the same way that his most classic work did. You know they're just cycling through these songs, and at their best they're fun, at their worst they're kind of flat and redundant, but overall I think it's still a very fun and rocking record I mean after all it is Bowie and Ronson operating at like the height of their powers you know yeah this is them at the top of their game you know it can't be that bad and and it isn't but at the same time it's one I'm not really returning to unless I'm kind of like you said unless I'm having a party and I need some up um, temp, up tempo rockers I'm having trouble talking yeah I, but, I wouldn't
0: you know I, I think I might disagree in saying that that they're on the top of their game, though. I don't think. I think well, Ronson. Yeah, maybe
1: the height of their their powers, I guess I should say. Right.
0: They're. they're I, I think the they're beauty. On a roll. I think the beauty of Ronson is how uh, he was able to work with Bowie and and in, with Bowie's creative side, and, and where he could bring Bowie's ideas to life. As where this one, they're just kind of adding cool ideas to some of the original songs, which I, yeah, there's parallels there, but. I think that's the true power of of what Mick and, and Bowie's collaboration brought.
1: Yeah, I, I think I was more so just referring to like where they fl- were at, you know, commercially. They, you know, they're on top of the world at this yeah, point. And, let's bang out an album. And you know, yeah. and when at that point in their career, I don't think they were really capable of making a pathetic album. <laughs> right. They're yeah. they're capable of making a mediocre one, which is maybe what, what this is. But I think their floor was making just a a, a, a mediocre solid, right a solid cover album. Yeah. yeah. And
0: I can't think of another cover album of solely covers that I like more than pinups.
1: Yeah, I don't know. This is better than the John Lennon one. There's Nick yeah. Cave in the Bad Seats had a, a pretty decent one. Well, the, there's a, Brian Ferry had his cover
0: album. And it was right around this time. And he, he went after, like he covered some big, like he covered Dylan, he covered Elvis, he covered The Beatles, he covered yeah. uh, It's My Party. Which is great. Yeah, it was uh, these foolish things. Right, yeah, was the
1: name of the, the record.
0: Was there a bit of like uh some tension or like some between like Bowie doing this and sneaking it yeah, out before? They
1: were coming out at like the same time, and that's another one of those stories where like, legend has it Brian Ferry was pissed off and he wanted this album to not come out before his did, but then he's all he's denied that though. Um, I'm not sure. I, I do think that's the better record though. I, I think uh, Brian Ferry. Brian it, it, Ferry of of Roxy music, and music yeah. yeah. I think it it's at least undeniably better as like an artistic endeavor because you know that record is very original. You know, like it, it's hilarious in some spots and outrageous, but he also puts sort of like his own, I don't know what you'd call it, like his sophisticated romantic spin on a lot of the tracks. Uh, it's very ir- <laughs> irrevent. Irrevent. <laughs> we always mispronounce a word. Yeah.
0: A <laughs> uh, word sponsored by what was
1: it? White Claw. Uh, whereas this record probably suffers from being overly reverent. Yeah. Irreverent is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, Bowie pays homage to the uh, original arrangements and doesn't really expand on them an awful lot. He just totally flips the trail, like He does "You Won't See Me" and "Sympathy for the Devil" and "Hard Rain's Gonna Fall," and they span from, like I said, funny to romantic. It's. Just, I think that's that's maybe. I don't even know what my favorite cover record is. I don't really like cover records all that much, but that might be it. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, the early Stones records are pretty much cover records. Yeah, uh, like two originals on them or something. Yeah. Uh, the Dylan ones are pretty subpar in the grand scheme of things. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't really consider those. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I get, like... I We mentioned this a few times. I think if there's the... If you're gonna put a positive spin on this record, I find the main thing I prefer about a lot of these recordings over the originals are how much punchier they are. Yeah, it's a very loud and crisp sound, and a lot better than the the, the production on like Ziggy to me, which sounds like a bit tinny to me. And even Alan Sain was better, but but also a bit thin or something. This is a much more full and in your face sound. So when you are having a party, this is the album that you'd put. It just right, yeah. It just Booms and it's crisp and it's uh, it's like you said it's good for what it is.
0: Yeah, Um, exactly. It's not going to be in my
1: top ten, probably not even fifty, maybe not even top twenty for Bowie, but you know what? It's uh, it's a fine little album. I don't think anybody is expecting us or anyone to place this next to Station, A Station, or Hunky Dory or Ziggy. I mean, it's it's
0: probably like bottom five if you really want to think like. And, but I mean, uh, that's still a, a very good album. That's more of an considering... endorsement
1: on his catalog than it is yeah. an indictment on pinups. Because right? I yeah. mean, to
0: put this ahead of even some of the, yeah, yeah, I, I I would put it probably in my bottom five. But I'm a Bowie freak, so I still love this album for what it is. Yeah. All right. So that wraps up pinups, and an era. So as we reach the end of an era. Uh, we've got some work cut out for us this time because we're gonna create a best of the spiders playlist. This won't be easy. No, we the the first one that we did, the best of the '60s, was it was a lot of fun, kind of putting together. It actually came together pretty quickly. There was like there were ba- it was almost unanimous, aside from maybe two tracks or something like that. Uh this one's going to be tough, but we're going to put we're going to try to keep it as small as possible.
1: Well, we've decided to make it even worse because it, technically the only true Spiders records would be Hunky Dory, Ziggy and Aladdin Sane. Right. We've decided to throw the man who sold the world and uh pin-ups and, pin-ups and lump those into the bunch cuz they there's, are I mean there's like one member missing on each of those. If there's
0: three Spiders on an album, we're counting it as a Spiders era for the sake of this show.
1: Anyway. Kinda of have to break these periods up somehow and we just decided we would call this the, the Spiders period.
0: So the Ronson period, whatever yeah, you want to call yeah. it. Maybe just call it the Ronson. The Ronson period. Period. There we go. Yeah. yeah. He'll be uh, re- yeah, he'll be in represented on the the playlist cover this time. So yeah, wish us luck as we <laughs> Trying to narrow it down to, what are we going to do, 20 songs maybe? Probably. Yeah.
1: And you're going to yell at us for leaving certain ones off, and we're going to deserve it. And uh, it's our own fault for for doing something so absurd, like trying to narrow down yeah. tracks from these albums, which all have like 12 songs each, and we love like 10 of them, on all of them yeah. at least. And uh, I don't know why we're doing this to ourselves, but we are.
0: I can't wait to hear the, the, the feedback on that one. It's going to be fun. So yeah, look out for that in the in the future. Uh, but that's all for now. So thank you for listening to Pin Upside B. I'm Jesse and I'm John. See you next time.